0: Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward.
1: Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. I have a client story today over Zoom, and I was wondering if you could give a name for me, and it's a female client.
0: Okay, so I'm going to choose Sienna.
1: Okay, Um, Sienna looks like she's about my age, and she begins the session by saying that she would like to understand her relationship with her mom better, and that she has questions also for her grandmother. And her grandmother's passed, so she's looking for her mom's mom, maternal grandmother, And she's hoping that her maternal grandmother will be able to fill in some holes as to why her mom is who she is and perhaps why her mom and her have the relationship that they have. And what ends up coming about as well is that we learn about two marriages. Well, actually, probably three marriages. Grandmothers, moms, and the clients. Because you can see some of the patterns that will eventually play out or consequences of what happens in relationships. So she starts and she says, do you think you could talk to my grandmother first? And her grandmother came in and said that her marriage to her husband um, had been very unhappy and that they had had more than one child. Um, They had, I think it was two sons and a daughter, which is the client's, uh, Sienna's mom. And she says, um, she like she's just starting to explain some of the details and the unhappiness that she went through in that marriage, which was easy enough to understand when the client asks a question. And just as she starts to ask the question, I have a um, Post-it note on my desk, like a pad, and my pen. And I pick up my pen and... The the grandmother says to me, her grandfather's here too, and I want you to write down on the post-it note that um, her mom was my child and not his child. Mm. And I'm like, oh. So I scribbled it down really quickly, and he goes, we're both telling you that. You can write it down, but I think I wrote down grandfather on the page or heard me on the post-it to say that the child wasn't his. I think that's how it ended up being worded. Child wasn't his, um, but I knew that there were other children. But she told me that before before I got to confirm that, mm. she said that he, um, he had that they had had two two other kids. So I I waited for her to see what her question was, and the way that her question came out, Kelly was, um was she, her mother born of rape? Oh. And then I realized, oh, she has her suspicions a- around the anger and around the dynamics in the family. So she's kind of piecing together that maybe, you know, it's really evident that she wasn't wanted, that, her, her, that this daughter wasn't wanted. And... The client is thinking, okay, is, this is a really high possibility. Doesn't it make sense? So this would be
0: Sienna's mom? Yeah. Aww.
1: So she's wondering if her mom was born as a result of rape. And her mom says, no, she wasn't. She says that she was born out of love. And that, I think, is a little bit surprising because then that doesn't quite fit I think, emotionally or logically as to, okay, then what other factors kind of come in? You have to kind of rearrange your thinking a little bit, right? And I think it still makes a lot of sense because her, her grandmother's describing how, oh, pardon me, Kelly. There's an important fact there too, and that came out from Sienna. She tells me that her mother was given away at two years old. And I didn't know that. She told me that. And so, um, but I'll continue with everything that grandma and grandpa said as well. Um, She goes to live with, so um, this gets complicated. So Sienna's mom goes to live with her grandmother Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and grandfather. And her mom says... (laughs) So there's grandmothers and great-grandmothers, so it's confusing. But Sienna's mom says, or pardon me, Sienna's grandmother says that while she was born out of a relationship where she cared for somebody, she didn't leave to go to be with that person. So she stays with her husband, there are other children, she doesn't have the means to leave financially, and she doesn't explain whether the man... Asks her to leave her husband. None of that gets answered or even asked, by the way. But
0: this was an extramarital affair? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. And two years after her birth, whatever happens in the home, everything hits a crisis point and she's given to her grandparents to be raised. So her mom says that was the best decision because what was happening in the home. Um, was anger towards this child. Of course. Was anger towards... um Well, anger everywhere, because you can't contain that anger. If you're mad that you have a baby in the house that's not yours, and you have two other children, and your wife, that's going to spill into everything, mm-hmm. even though he treats um, the other children better than her. Mm-hmm. But... You can't say that isn't going to affect them because that, well, I know you wouldn't, but that's going to affect every person in the home. So it becomes intolerable. Sienna's mom then is fully raised by her grandparents. And that's kind of settled in the conversation. So that's what she wanted to know um, about the grandparents. And then she says, okay, can we move the conversation now to my mom and dad? And can you tell me what you get about my mom and dad? And what I get to see and get to hear and what is downloaded is that, um, her mom and dad have a very, uh, codependent relationship, which would make sense. And, um, like Sienna's mom is very, very insecure. Mm -hmm. So she wants, she wants a man who's going to take care of her and make the decisions
0: so she and pe- not abandon her.
1: Yes. So she goes into severe amounts of people pleasing, um, whining, manipulation, um, but it's all done in a particular way. It's all done very covertly so that she looks like the kindest, nicest person. Mm-hmm. And the, the world, I'm just going to call it the world because it is, it means that your aunts and uncles and your cousins and the neighbors and your friends and your friends' parents, and I'm just listing everybody because it is the world, thinks that your mom is the nicest person in the world. Mm. And it makes it really, really difficult for her dad to feel like he's got a partner that really is partnering him because she's more childlike. And if she doesn't get her way or he wants to assert his independence or if he wants to just have a person who is adulting, it's very, very difficult for him. So there's irritation and annoyance with her. There are bursts of angers with her. So he goes into withholding because he gets tired of it. And unfortunately, neither of them even consider therapy mm-hmm. it's like Kelly it's almost like they live in a vacuum of time where it just doesn't even exist and and let's speak let's be really clear here her mom and dad are in their 70s right now so that means that they've been around long enough to know that there's been therapy mm-hmm. more than just the last 10 or 20 years mm-hmm. like therapy is not that new um but they they don't they don't act like it exists so they keep this, um, this scenario going, these dynamics, this dysfunction, um, the relationship between mom and dad now is where dad um, also has to people-please her. So you can see where it's messy because she people-pleases him, but if it doesn't work, then she goes in and she whines and withdraws Or she's super people pleases him more and more and more. So eventually it does work. But then underneath all of that kind of stuff is the, um, okay, I'm being, I'm, I'm, and now I'm loved because I'm needed. So he thinks love means
0: when I'm needed. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is not for who you are. And even if he meets her needs it's never from a secure place of because he wants to yeah it's because she had to whine complain manipulate beg yeah etc so you never really feel like you're worth having your needs met yes so she she has that feeling and he
1: has feelings in the opposite direction and they raise a daughter in that mm-hmm. and so now the daughter has to figure out, if dad is coaching me, then I have to behave this way with mom. If mom is coaching me how to get dad's needs, then I have to behave in this way. How to get my needs met from or, dad? Yeah, pardon me. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. So she gets, she gets both. Yeah, and you that, learn to play both sides. Yes. So now you can see where she goes into her own marriage and, and and has her own children and how all of that is a combination of
0: both parents. That makes my head spin. I think I'm going to do a shameless plug here if you're okay yeah. with that, because we're starting a new book this month. Right. Um, pardon me, in, starting in January, the second week, I think it's the 8th. On its attachment, and this is a really good time to talk about it because you're talking about generations of attachment styles yeah. being played out. Yeah. Um, and if people feel gripped by this story or f- hear th- hear their own story being played out in some way, shape, or form, um, you might really enjoy book club, or you might just really enjoy picking up its attachment by Annette Cousin, mm-hmm. um to learn to learn more and to understand. You know, we come by our wounds so honestly, mm-hmm. even though we can feel annoyed with mom or an- annoyed with dad or, you know, flabbergasted by how the parents might act. It's just, it's handed down to us. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's each of us
1: in every single generation, including the 70-year-olds.
0: Yeah. And it's not to point the finger at the, f- the previous generation. It's to have compassion that it was handed down mm-hmm. to them from a, pre- a previous one.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Yes. And the more recent ones are trying to be more evolved, more informed than the, the generations before us because more information has come out, more research has been done. Yeah,
1: and I want I wanna say here that if you're seventy or eighty or ninety years old, or whatever, a hundred, and you're sitting here listening to this podcast today, maybe with a child or with a grandchild or whatever, on your own, it's it's not too late for you to read the book too. Mm-hmm. And it's not too late for you to join book club and to be supported by other person to hear other stories or to figure out where you are in yours or just to have somebody else help you clarify and pull the cobwebs out of your brain so you can sleep a little better or you can get a little bit of body pain out of your body because we hold that in our body when we don't process those things, right? So, that, that's great, Kelly. I'm glad that you said that, because it can be a great invitation, no matter what your age is, to to come to something like that and be present for it, and get out of it whatever it is that you can. Okay, so then the guides and the grandparents start to explain to, to her, to Sienna, um, her mom and dad's relationship, and how she was parented in it. And she goes, oh, my God. She says, you're so explaining everything to me. She says, this is so, so helpful. She says, I'm understanding my mom and dad. And she says, and I need to say this to you, because I'm an only child.
0: Mm.
1: Because I have nobody to talk to. To validate my experience, I don't have a brother or a sister that says, yes, this is what happened. Because if you go to an aunt or an uncle or a cousin, or you go to a best friend or neighbors and say, you know, this is what happened in my home, they're going to say, well, I don't remember it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't see it that way. Your mom was so nice. Mm -hmm. Like, she just did everything for everybody. And your dad, he he just doted on her. Like, he just... If she was upset, he just he constantly met her needs.
0: Yeah, it's funny how much people don't want to hear someone's firsthand experience if it bur- if it bursts their bubble of an image of someone they love and value or need. Yeah, because Kelly, like, it's really
1: difficult to have all of your aunts and uncles and friends and everybody not want their bubbles burst because they might have their own need to believe that my parents were pretty screwed up. So I need to believe that your parents were loving and kind because your mom was just so sweet, Sienna. I can't afford to believe she wasn't as sweet as I thought she was my whole life because if that bubble bursts, what other bubbles are going to burst on me? Mm -hmm. And I can't have more bubbles burst, so we're just going to ignore that one. Mm -hmm. But that means then that there's a cost for Sienna that nobody can validate her reality. And then there's this conversation where her, her grandmother comes in and says, tell her how proud I am of her for going to therapy. Tell her how proud I am of her for seeing you and getting all of these validations and all these messages. Thank God you're a medium. Thank God you're talking to dead people so that you can say these things so that she can sit there and go, this is true. Someone's validating my experience. I know it to be true, but I feel crazy in my mind. And here her grandfather and grandmother come in and say, Sienna, this is true and we can validate it for you. And she's getting this from from me, from you, from strangers that talk to the people who've crossed over that are the only ones that can be family to say, you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. This is correct. And so there's one great point for her. And the second one is, is and she brings this up, Sienna says to me, I appreciate this so much because it is so hard, so much work to sit in therapy. As much as I'm in therapy and I will not quit, it has been fantastic. But it is so hard to try and convince a therapist, even though I don't say that the therapist doesn't believe me, but you still feel like you have to try to convince them. Mm -hmm. Because every time that you've tried to say the truth to an aunt or an uncle and they deny you, you feel the frustration and you get shut down. Your self-esteem drops. So you don't know that when you go to therapy, this person is not going to sit there and go prove it to me.
0: Yeah, and I mean, some therapists... Don't, I mean, I don't know that a therapist would say prove it to me, but some of them will say like, well, I only know your side of the story Yeah, and it's like, but what do I do with that? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you what happened to me. Yeah, Sure. They have their own feelings and their own motivations and their own, you know, mindset of why they did what they did, but, mm-hmm. but I'm here to deal with, with hap- what happened to me
1: yeah yeah, and I think it's really good that you're pointing out that statement that therapists could say um, is so that if someone's listening and they're a therapist and maybe maybe they just graduated. maybe maybe they're going into their first week of therapy or they're in their first year, or I don't know, maybe they just realize lately that they've had a slip up and they've said something like that to somebody and they've had 30 years behind them. Maybe they show up with that client the next time and say, hey, I need to apologize about something. I need to fix something. And it matters, even though we're three years into therapy or whatever. Maybe that matters. Or maybe we say it to a friend, hey, you told me this six months ago or three years ago, and I said this to you, and I'm sorry I said it to you, Mm -hmm. because that affects your self-esteem. That affects how you see the world and how you, you show up to tell people your deepest, darkest truths or just who you are or just what you've been through. It means that you hesitate. It means that you, you wait to see if that person is going to treat you that way. So that's really good. I'm glad that you've said all of that. Sienna and I and the Spirit Guides have a great talk at that point about her marriage. And it's not very long. It's just a quick, I'll say, sentence or two. And as, as far, and I say conversation because she validates it and she offers her own information during this time. But there's a little conversation there to explain to her about her own people pleasing. Uh, the Nice Girl Syndrome by Beverly Angel, which comes up in the session, but she says, oh, I got told that in a prior session. I read it. And then... She asked at one point, too, about abuse for her mom, and her grandmother and grandfather said, well, if you know the 15 forms of verbal abuse, then you have your answer that it's a yes. And she went, okay. And I thought that was really interesting because they're not, like, it's an indirect kind of validation, right? Right. And she sat there and went, okay, the answer is yes then, because I know the 15 forms of verbal abuse, because I got told to read the book. And you can see here, and I, and I bring this up because I want everybody listening to understand how beautifully Sienna is doing now. So she has read
0: The Nice Girl Syndrome. I also think you're bringing up a point that's worth spelling out for people is that we don't get to know everything. Right. I think that's a misconception or oh, it's a huge misconception that people think psychics know everything. And yeah. They, they make jokes about it too, like, well, shouldn't you know? Shouldn't you've seen this coming? Yeah. And and it's rude and it's uninformed. Um, I get yeah. validations all the time. You'll ask me yes or no's in your head and you don't actually ask the question out loud and I will get a yes or a no with a piece of information mm-hmm. to validate. But they don't tell me what you're asking. Mm-hmm. They don't tell me even, you know, what the straight up answer is, other than the yes or the no. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it can be a very indirect validation. Yeah, that is just as valuable, especially when you're putting that trust in the, in the universe, where she has said, "Okay, I do know the 15 forms." That was kind of the spirit guide's test to her to say, "Okay, yes, it is a yes for me." Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. And we only get shown what we're allowed to be shown. Yeah. We don't get to kick our, you know, kick our feet and throw our hands and have a temper tantrum about that.
1: Oh, God. This is, that's true, Kelly. Um, Speaking to the spirit guides and dead people is one place where temper tantrums do not work. Ever. Not once.
0: And I I really like that because I think, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hugely vulnerable for a client to put themselves out there to even come to see one of us. That's right. And I think it's... A little bit satisfying for them, maybe, to know that we still don't know everything about that person. Yeah. That they didn't they didn't have to, you know, bear all to us. Yeah, yeah maybe it, it's... Spirit, lo- sorry. I was going to say, maybe
1: it allows them to feel a little... Uh, still safe in some way that you and I don't
0: know every single thing. Exactly. That the spirit yeah. guides can absolutely show up for them. Yeah. But not reveal everything about them. That they can still hold integrity for that person's privacy yeah and it's about meeting the client's needs not ours in that moment we're not
1: there to have them say meet our needs right now right that's very good yeah if the information makes sense to
0: the client it doesn't have to make sense to us Mm -hmm.
1: well and in this session there certainly was information that made no sense to me and sienna chose to fill in those gaps to make it make sense Um, So she did say to me, I've read The Nice Girl Syndrome, I've read um, The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans, I understand then that there was abuse. So I appreciate that because it explains then, and I think this is important, it explains to us in our current lives why we feel the way we feel, why we might have anxiety why we might be triggered over certain things. If we understand that maybe the home life that we grew up in or our parents were raised in did have forms of abuse so that we can have some levels of compassion. So we are now getting to the end of Sienna's session and she says to me, "Um, Karen, I've seen you before and you've explained cognitive dissonance to me and limerence. And she says, so... I'm and I'm in therapy. She says so between seeing you, reading the books, and uh, that the spirit guides told her to read, going to therapy and being able to say to the therapist, "This is what I'm trying to work on. These are some of the terms I now know." Herner therapist have this roadmap on their own to work through, and then she has a separate roadmap to work through for the two of us and the people on the other side and her spirit guides.
0: See, I think that's worth everything. To say that you can come to a session to get a roadmap to take to therapy is incredible because Mm -hmm. we know how long therapy takes. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it might get shortened at all. It just might mean that we have more direction, more clarity in terms of what we need to accomplish. Because how many of us have walked into a therapist's office, myself included, and talked about our symptoms? right? Talked about the emotional pain mm-hmm. and not, not really known where to start digging. Mm-hmm. And the therapist does their best job asking the questions they need to ask and they pick a place to begin and go from mm-hmm. there because they're human and they're just yeah. picking a starting point and seeing if they can make connections. Yeah, But to walk in with a roadmap and say, I've experienced verbal abuse yeah. in my relationship. I grew up with this attachment style. I'm now in a people-pleasing pattern and I need help with all of that Mm -hmm. because I need to rewire my brain to come out of it. Mm -hmm. The therapist can then say, okay, we've got steps one through five already. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. And a therapist might say, I can help you with these steps. And you need a different
1: therapist for these steps. Absolutely. So that you can also understand that there will be only certain things one particular therapist might be trained to help you do. And that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. That's not to panic anyone. That's to say, go get the experts at what you need. That's right. Yes. And and like like you shouldn't be doing with your relationships, don't try and get everything from one person. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's great. That's great advice, Kelly. Okay. That was a dynamite session. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.